Welcome to Word from the Mountaintop, a weekly inspirational podcast brought to you from the Mountain Luther Parish. Today's Word of the Lord will be shared by Pastor Jason or Pastor Jess Felici. Hear now this incredible story of God's gracious love. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. And so Jesus told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. And a few days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. And so this younger son went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. Now he would gladly have filled himself with the pods the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am, dying of hunger. I will get up, and I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. And he ran and he put his arms around him and he kissed him. And then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field and when he came and approached the house he heard music and dancing and he called to one of the slaves and asked what was going on and the slave replied your brother has come. And your father has killed the fatted calf because he got him back safe and sound. And then he became angry and he refused to go in. His father came and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this This son of yours came back who has devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fatted calf for him. And the father said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours, he was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the gospel of our Lord. Will you pray with me? (coughs) 
Open our eyes, God, to see the ways that you come running to us. Open our eyes to see the ways that you are right here and that all that you have is ours already. Help us to feel the lavish love and grace that you pour all over us. And help us to extend that same love and grace to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I've talked in the past a little bit about the college that I went to in central Pennsylvania. It's very small. We joked that there were more cows than there were students some days, depending on the time of year. Um, And it was not a Lutheran college. And so it was a really interesting mix of Christians who came together at this little Christian college. Uh, And where I had grown up talking about theology and the ways that we understand God, where I had grown up talking about what the Greek and the Hebrew in the Bible said, I was surrounded all of a sudden in college by a lot of people who didn't believe that you could interpret the Bible. I was surrounded by people who claim that you should never interpret the Bible. In fact, they wouldn't teach theology because they didn't believe that there was such a thing. Now, I will be honest. You can hear my bias in this, right? I will be honest with you and say I have never bought into that. And here's why. Every piece of scripture is there for us to interpret. We watch as Jesus interprets the scriptures. We see how Philip interprets the scriptures for the Ethiopian eunuch, right? We know that scripture is meant to be understood. The version of the Bible that you choose to read is an interpretation. Think about it. If the Bible is originally, if our scriptures are originally written on these scrolls in Greek, And in Hebrew, somebody had to interpret it into English. Unless all of you, have you gotten your Bible, your Bible language? I'm I'm terrible at Greek. Anybody good? No? Okay. (laughs) I don't don't recommend spending your summer learning it. It's really hard. (laughs) And Hebrew goes the wrong direction, right? So, So just the nature of reading the Bible in English means that somebody has done the hard work of interpreting it for us. So there's some hard work at cracking open the scripture for us to understand it. In fact, anyone that tells you that you cannot interpret scripture has never read the parable of the prodigal son. Because no matter what you think, when you read this parable, you are coming at it from some perspective or or another. Perhaps Perhaps you're an older sibling, right? Perhaps you have younger siblings in your family. When you read this story, I bet you, like me, empathize with the older brother who throws the tantrum, right? Or maybe you're the baby or have have older siblings and you kind of feel, you feel for this, this younger brother who wants his stuff and he wants his party and he wants to do whatever he wants to do. Or maybe, maybe you're an only child and you just look at this and kind of raise an eyebrow and think, what? What even is taking place in this story, right? Or maybe you come at the story like the father. Maybe you've had a child go off. And you have prayed that your child would come back. 
You see? No matter what you think, when you read this story, you are already interpreting it. You are already coming at it with a lens of understanding that influences how you hear it. My own bias is that I am the oldest sibling, and I'm married to another oldest sibling, and so when Pastor Jason and I sit down to talk about this text, we just speak into an echo chamber. We both just keep saying the same thing at each other and, and have to work hard to empathize with the little sibling. Maybe you're like that. I mean, maybe, maybe it's not even your, your birth order, but maybe you empathize with this older brother who looks at the younger brother who goes and he says, hey dad, I know you're not dead yet, but I'd sure like my inheritance and I'd like it right now, right? And then you watch as this little brother takes everything that the dad gives him and he squanders it. He wastes it. He goes on some wild adventure and did whatever he wanted and he wasn't there working on the farm and helping his dad. But the older son, he stayed around. He was obviously the more responsible one, right? Can you see, can you see my bias in reading this? He's the more responsible one. He cared for his father and the farm. He never asked for his inheritance because he knew that wasn't how it was supposed to work. It feels good to me as an older sibling to look condescendingly upon that little brother. It helps me feel good about myself. A little righteous indignation mixed with some, I told you so, right? We have a rule in our house. Emma started singing, na, 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 na. <laughs> we made a rule that there's none of that, but I feel that way when I read the story as the older sibling in my household. But you know, there's at least two sides to every story, right? And I see, <laughs> I won't call you out, but I see the younger siblings going, yes. <laughs> yes, Pastor Jess, there's more than one side to this story, right? The purpose of this parable, we have to remember, is to get us to consider God's overwhelming graciousness. To get us to remember that God runs to each of us. What might this parable sound like from the younger sibling, the younger brother's perspective? Yes, he goes to his dad and he asks the impossible question. He asks for his inheritance money before his dad is even dead. And then, yes, he went off and he had a little <laughs> too much fun and he squandered his money. He wasted his money away. But when things got hard, when the money ran out, when things, things got so hard, he hired himself out as a slave. He got so hungry, the text tells us, that he would have happily eaten the slop he was feeding to the pigs. Think about how hungry you have to be to look into that bucket and think, I could eat that. He was desperate. And the managers of the farm where he was working weren't treating him well. They weren't even making sure that he had food to eat. So what do you do in that situation? Do you stay and starve? 
Do you eat what they're giving you to feed the pigs? No. You do what might be the hardest decision to make. You return home. You deflate your ego. You tuck your tail and you apologize to your father and hope, hope not that he will take you back as his son, but hope that he'll hire you as a slave on his farm so that you might have food to eat. Now this, this is where these two perspectives of reading the story come together, where the younger sibling arrives home and the older sibling has been there all along. What will the father say? How will he respond to this younger son's return with nothing but the clothes on his back? Both sons wonder this. And the answer is overwhelming joy and grace. Did you catch? Did you catch when I was reading from the Gospel of Luke that the father spotted his son when he was still far off? Now that's, that's not an easy thing to do for somebody that you've counted as dead. To look far off on the horizon and see the outline of someone and to take off running because you are so excited that they have come off. You are so excited that it's him. This is the joy that the father has for this son. This is the excitement so far off that he can't even be 100% sure, but he knows it has to be him. And this is the kind of love that the father has for the son, right? And so as he comes in, he doesn't stand there waiting for him. I think it might be him. Do you think it's him? Do you think it's him? He goes running for him. And as soon as they get together, he yells to his help. He says, go get the best robe. Go get a ring. Go kill the fatty cow. We're having a party. Right? He gets so excited that he doesn't even want, you know, when you throw a big party, think about a wedding reception, right? You send invitations out months in advance and you've got to plan the food. He does not do any of that. He's having that party right now. There's no waiting. We have to celebrate. He says. And then the older brother comes wandering back. Think of him. It's July. And he's been working in the field all day. <coughs> and he stinks to high heaven, right? You can see the dirt and the sweat caked on him. And the older brother comes back to the house and he sees up at the house that there's music and dancing. Now, remember, this is not 2019. This is not a Bluetooth speaker and, and radio. This is they had to gather people who would play music for this party. This is not a minor celebration. This is enormous live music. And Pastor Jason would go, live band karaoke, right? This is, this is a big party. And then yet the older son comes and he sees us and he's exhausted from working out in the field. And he calls to somebody and he says, what's going on? What's happening up there? And he finds out that this party, this big celebration, is because his little brother, who basically said, Dad, you're not dying fast enough, I want my money now, has come back, and he gets to have the fattest calf for this party. And he does exactly what I would have done. 
Because no matter how hard I try and no matter how much I grow, I am forever the tantrum-throwing older sibling who is jealous of what the little sibling gets. I remember I was 12 years old when my mom said, okay, I think you're old enough, you can get your ears pierced, right? It's like the biggest day of my life at this point. And we go to the mall and my little sister, who is three years younger than me, says, I want them too, and she got them. And so at nine years old, my little sister got her ears pierced, and at 12 years old, I threw a fit to, like, the fit of all fits. When you look up tantrum for a, for a, a teenager, you see my picture. <laughs> because I had to wait until I was in, in sixth grade to get my ears pierced. That's what happens here. He throws a fit because it's not fair. I have given my whole life, he says. I have stayed here and worked every day, and you haven't even given me a goat. Can you all, I mean, I, as a parent, I can now hear the dad choking back the giggle at that, right? Like, the, are you serious? But this feels like earth-shattering, unfair, righteous indignation on the part of the older brother. But here's the beauty of this parable. It's not over until the father makes sure that the older brother knows that this party can't happen without him. This this celebration can't happen if he's throwing a fit outside. There are some people who only feel things big. There are some people for whom sadness is so big, it's hard to get out of bed. And for whom joy is so big, it's all they can do. And there is no in-between. That feels like this little brother to me. And the dad knows it. The dad knows that for him to have come back with this grief, this sadness weighing on him, the only way to make sure he hears that he is welcome is to throw this enormous celebration. And there are some people for whom life is not as hard. We don't have to have a celebration over everything because, well, we don't feel things that way. For those of us who have settled nicely next door to our mom and dad, who pinch our pennies and are diligent with what we have, this parable speaks to us as though we are the older brother. But for those of us who have danced in the grip of addiction, for those of us who have teetered on the edge of depression, This parable speaks for us, too. This parable speaks to those of us who have been members of a church our whole lives, who are the first to sign up when there's a meal, the first to sign up to make sure that the grass gets cut, the first to sign up to make sure that that funeral dinner does not not fall apart. But it also speaks to those of us who wandered into church one day and decided it's not too bad. Maybe I'll stay and find out what this whole thing's about. Our gracious and joyful Father celebrates us both. 
This parable doesn't let anybody be jealous of the other. And the party is incomplete without all of us there. These two brothers can't be any more different from each other. And yet, if we read this carefully, we see ourselves in both the older brother and the younger brother. We see our story as the needy younger brother who needs the attention and the celebration, and as the older brother who's there and does what we're supposed to do. No matter where we are in the pecking order, we all fit the part of one brother and the other at some time in our lives. And the good news is that Jesus tells us the Father finds us and loves us no matter what. He always desires us to be at home and celebrates every time we return, not just with a, hey, hey, missed ya, but comes running to us simply because he loves us. No matter what happens, no matter what our past looks like, no matter which sins we've accrued over the, com- the past months, the Father's love finds us and celebrates our return. Yes, the younger brother is irresponsible and he messes up big time. And yes, the older brother's tantrum is inappropriate and like a baby. But at the end of the day, they both know that no matter the mistakes they make, no matter the pain they have suffered, if they need the father, he's right there. He comes rushing to them. He finds them. And that's God's promise to us too. That no matter What? He will be there when we need him. And like the older brother, even if we have been obedient and stayed the path all along the way, we will be invited into the generosity and the grace that God offers in the great celebration. Thanks be to God. Amen.